0: This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. You know, some years ago when I was filling in over at Capital Capitol Public Radio, I was asked by the executive producer, Carl Wantanabe if I had any people in radio that I, I thought I would, would imitate. And I thought about it for a minute and said, yeah. Apparently, I'm imitating Walter Winchell. (laughs) Carl looked at me and said, Walter Winchell. Now, I have to admit, I never really heard Walter Winchell on the radio, and he was on the radio probably before I was born. But I read in Gerald Nachman's book about old-time radio about how Winchell used to do a show. The way he used to do a show, apparently, was to lay out on a large table all sorts of items he'd cut out of here and cut out of there and pile them all up, typed a few things up, whatever. And then he would grab one by one and go through them. Turns out that is shockingly close to the way Radio Parallax gets done on a weekly basis. And since we've been promising you a backlog of material uh, that we haven't gotten to and we've got all these piles, let's do a winchel. Let's just grab stuff and go. What do you think, Mr. McMillan? All right, we're going to go through a potpourri, a jumble of topics, the kind of things we like to talk about, and I think I'm going to do it in no particular order, just as the mood strikes me. All right, the mood strikes me to reach down and pick up a, an item from New Scientist Magazine, from the Letters to the Editor section, of all things, where someone wrote the magazine to ask, why, as a general rule, do we not seem to like the sound of our own voices when we hear them in recordings? The thing about the magazine is they they let someone with expertise answer the question. In this case, it was answered by Ron Dippold of San Diego, California. He said it's because you don't hear your own voice as other people do. To them, the noises made by your vocal cords and lungs and shaped by your lips, tongue, and nasal cavity are what you sound like. But when you hear, when you speak, it is mostly conducted to your ears through bone and flesh. So it's profoundly disturbing when you hear your external recorded voice and it sounds nothing like the internal voice you know. Your internal voice is usually more resonant, deeper, and has less nasality. So for most people, their external voice is less attractive. But Mr. Dipol noted if you listen to yourself enough, you can train yourself out of this. You'll even find yourself changing your voice to sound more attractive. You could almost call an example of biofeedback. This is kind of a running joke here at Radio Parallax, because Mr. McMillan has often said he could adjust the tone just a little bit if he wanted to to make me sound like Daffy Duck. Fortunately, as far as I know, he's never actually done this editing trick as I've been speaking. Yes, it's good to have an editor that you can trust. And by the way, the question was also answered by Matt Thompson, described as radio producer and sound designer, North, North Berwick, East Lothian, UK. As a radio producer who has made more than 350 documentaries, I have often observed the distaste we have for how we sound in recordings. The way we perceive our voice directly includes sound percolating to the bones of the skull. Recording lacking this component sounds subtly mutated, like uncanny imposters. Also, to gain time to think while talking, we often use junk words and sounds, such as sort of, like, actually, and "hmm." We tend not to be aware of these, but on playback we sound painfully mm, hesitant and sort of inarticulate. (laughs) Radio producers edit these out, compressing the duration of speech by as much as 20%. We only rarely hear our voices as others do, so over time preconceptions may build up as to how nice we sound, but a recording reveals all sorts of unflattering details which can be a shock. And from the current issue of the Planetary Report, the publication of the Planetary Society, we have Random Space Fact, which I think Bruce Betts, previous Radio Parallax guest, uh, comes up with on a monthly basis. This month's Random Space Fact is that when Pluto was last at its current point in its orbit, in other words, one Pluto year ago, the United States didn't exist, and the American colonies belonged to Great Britain. That was 1768, 1768. Of course, the nice thing about Pluto is the equivalent of a two-week vacation lasts 10 years. We've expressed skepticism on this program many times over the past few months that there is, in fact, some sort of national epidemic of opioid overuse going on. But i got to say, someone is pushing this thing. The Journal of Family Practice just came out with an article which is titled More Isn't Better with Acute Low Back Pain Treatment. The subheadline is: Adding cyclobenzaprine or oxycodone slash acetaminophen to naproxen for the treatment of acute low back pain does nothing more than increase adverse effects. So, if this article is to be taken at face value, it says that if you've got back pain and you're taking a leave, you've done all you can. There's no point adding a muscle relaxant or percadan. It won't help you. It may make the adverse effects worse. I have to say, and I think Mr. Maroon will back me up on this because both of us have been known on occasion to have back pain. Sometimes when push comes to shove, a little opioid really, really does help. Fortunately, we're not in that 5% of the population that has addictive personalities, so we can take them when we need them and stop. Again, that is 95% of the population. Um, This issue is something that affects a tiny minority of people. And in most cases, all these problems of of, of deaths and overdose are from prescription drugs, but they're from misuse of prescription drugs. People get a prescription and they sell them on the street. People then overdose on them. These drugs are needed. And just based on 30 years of experience in medicine, the idea that you've given a guy a leave, you've done all you can for his pain, is just simply ludicrous. But wait, there's more. They're now actually going a step further in claiming that opioids can prolong pain. Yes, apparently out at the University of Colorado, neuroscientists simulated chronic nerve pain in rats by pinching the sciatic nerve in their legs. When one group was given morphine for five days, the, a control group received no treatment. After assessing the rat's pain threshold, and you think you got a crappy job, the researchers found the untreated rodents recovered in about five weeks. The morphine-treated rats, on the other hand, remain in pain for about 12 weeks. Now, this is possible. This may well be. I suppose it's possible that opiates may magnify chronic pain, but what about chronic pain itself? When they realized about 15 years ago that doctors were grossly under-treating pain in this country, they made everybody, yours truly included, get 12 hours of continuing medical education that explained how it was chronic pain could be self-reinforcing. And the punchline to all of it was, when you see pain, you have an obligation to try and treat it. Someone is really pushing this thing. I think the suspicion here is that maybe it's the DEA. They're about to lose marijuana as something they can arrest 700,000 Americans a year for. So they're looking elsewhere for the big trouble that they have to be there to stop the guys that did this study said, we are showing for the first time that even a brief exposure to opioids can have long-term negative effects. Yeah, well, they can, they can also have short-term really positive effects and long-term positive effects. Uh, we're going we're to keep watching this, this story as it unfolds, and it's going to keep unfolding. Here's a headline that caught our eye, New Scientist magazine. Volcanic eruptions linked to rise of Roman Empire. Note of the magazine, you won't find it in history books, but the Roman Empire's rise to dominance in Egypt and the Middle East may have been influenced by a series of volcanic eruptions that reduced rainfall. The magazine notes that the famine and unrest this caused weakened Egypt's Ptolemaic Kingdom, paving the way for the defeat of Cleopatra and Antony by Octavian's Roman army in 31 BC, leading ultimately to the rise of the modern Western world. This is the first time the history of this period has a climate component, says Joseph Manning, a historian at Yale. Anyway, I have my doubts about this, but they're claiming they found that eight of the nine documented revolts against Ptolemaic rulers due to famine, etc began within two years of a volcanic eruption, which might have disrupted rains, and hence the flooding of the Nile and hence the grain crop. It's possible. It's also possible that Rome might not have dominated Egypt quite so uh, significantly if Antony had stuck by Cleopatra when she fled the scene at the battle and he ran after her, which military historians do not regard favorably. I mean, if you're going to fight a battle and your girlfriend runs away, don't, don't run after her. Fight the battle first. I hasten to add we are not military experts on this program. But nevertheless... We've expected some skepticism on this program in the past that all these wonderful things were going to come from drones flying around, but there's a claim being made that military surveillance systems are helping to protect the large animals in Africa. They're hoping using drones and infrared cameras and um, gunshot detectors they'll be able to cut back on the poaching. I certainly hope so. There continues to be items in the paper and elsewhere about how this new McKinley Village in Sacramento may just come together and really make things great, and that in conjunction with the Sacramento Kings Arena getting built and city turning over parking revenues to the owners of the Kings, eh, it's all going to work out real well. They're apparently planning to have an early viewing in August of some of these homes, and 1,200 people have signed up for these early viewings recent article by Tony Bizjak and the Bee does note that the site will have only two entrances and exit points, and that has prompted some concerns about added traffic, especially since yours truly is located about one house and a half away from one of the exits, which is, by the way, why yours truly is going to be moving his main base of operations from the state capital of California to the Bay Area the games these developers play just is just it goes on and on um, even one of our local booster publications the East Sacramento News had an article a few months back uh, from, uh, by RE Grasswich looking back at how the Raiders Al Davis the Sacramentans the idea that well he might move the Raiders here yeah sure he might Turns out, apparently, our mayor, Kevin Johnson, six years ago, was, was trotting down to Alameda to talk to the Oakland Raiders people about how, well, you know, I, I don't know what sucker punch the Davis organization was, was throwing at, uh, at Johnson, but let's just say nothing came to pass. Just as nothing came to pass in Irwindale and why, I think, when the NFL owners were looking at letting the Raiders back into Los Angeles, they decided, no, we're bringing the Rams back. You guys stay up in Oakland. All right. something else we made passing mention of a few weeks ago we should just hit again was this report over in Britain looking at um, Britain's role in the U.S.-led 2003 invasion of Iraq on false pretenses. And it was a pretty blistering, uh, blistering report, 2.6 million words, seven years in the making, said Tony Blair presented the threat posed by Iraq's alleged WMDs with a certainty that was not justified and join the investigation without fully exploring peaceable options. This comes from the duh file, really, but I'm glad the Brits are taking the time to put it out there. Not in the end that it changes anything. I mean, the war took place. Britain was over there. We dismantled Saddam Hussein's Iraq, which led directly to the rise of ISIS. That in conjunction, of course, with our messing with neighboring Syria. It is curious to note, as politicians talk about what, uh, what took place here uh, the, in the last decade and the great fiasco that's still ongoing in the Middle East, no one seems to be <laughs> really uh, talking about what really happened. And i got to give credit to Donald Trump for, uh, for, for noting during one of the debates when he was, when he was seeking to take out Jeb Bush that you know, Jeb's brother W lied about weapons of mass destruction and knew it was a lie. Now, can you think of any other major figure in the U.S. that's come forward and told the truth about that besides, God knows, Donald J. Trump? I was also shocked in listening to the convention, uh, the Donald's acceptance speech, when he actually, I think for the first and maybe only time in his life, showed some humility. If you blink, you might have missed it. <laughs> but during the speech... As you may recall, he did mention that the evangelicals had been rock-solid supporting of him, and he had to pause and say, and, 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 and I, maybe I don't deserve it. Anyway, say what you want about Donald Trump. He's not Jeb Bush. If it wasn't for him, Jeb Bush would be running for president right now. All right, here's a perspective from The Week magazine, which I, I certainly um, was somewhat taken aback by, but, but hey... I'm just going to report on it. Apparently, Rupert Everett, I don't know much about Rupert Everett, no relation, but he apparently told Camellia Long in the Sunday Times in the UK um, a couple weeks back that he used to think he was transgender from age six to four. He's an English actor. We do know that. He dressed exclusively in girls' clothing and pretended that he was Mary Poppins' daughter. His mother, the wife of an army major, indulged him happily, lending him clothes from her wardrobe and buying him nightdresses and negligees. As a boy at boarding school, he played only one male role in the many theater productions he appeared in. Said Everett, age 57, I really wanted to be a girl. Thank God the world of now wasn't then, because I'd be on hormones and I'd be a woman. After I was 15, I never wanted to be a woman again. Instead, Everett discovered sex. By 16, he was a leather queen, cutting a swath through London's gay scene. The actor, who now lives a quieter life with his accountant boyfriend, Henrique, worries that modern parents are too quick to get medical with their cross-dressing kids. It's nice to be able to express yourself, but the hormone thing very young is a big step, he said. I think a lot of children have an ambivalence when they're very young, what sex they are or what they feel about everyone, and there should be a way of embracing it. Well, there you have it, a different perspective. All right, something else we hadn't thought of, maybe you hadn't thought of either, is how Brexit is going to screw up things over in Ireland. Writing in the Irish Times, Fintan O'Toole, and we're getting this from the week, I have to admit, notes that Britain's decision to quit the European Union has planted a bomb under Ireland's peace settlement. Until now, all but a few diehards had learned to live with Ireland's partition. Why? because the border between Northern Ireland and the Republic of Ireland had become so soft as to be barely noticeable. If you crossed it, you had to change currencies. The North uses the pound, the Republic the euro. And remember, the speed limits are changing from kilometers to miles per hour. But a hard border will now have to be erected between the two countries to stop EU migrants who've legally entered the Republic from crossing unchecked into the UK. Meanwhile, the cornerstone of the peace settlement, the Belfast Agreement of 1998, is being undermined. One key provision is that anyone born in Northern Ireland has the right to be a citizen in the UK or Ireland or both. How will that work post-Brexit? Wow. We don't know. We're going to take a break, ponder the matter, and come back and talk about more stuff. I'm Douglas Everett. This is Radio Parallax. (laughs) go <laughs> to